January 14th, email submission from someone going by the name of Mulago Waka 40. I don't even eat meat. Even if you ask my mother, I don't eat meat. If you refuse, give us your kid. If you refuse, give us the kid, then we'll kill you and the kid. Punishment Island, Episode 2, Night Dancer. First off, I would like to state outright that I'm not one of those ignorant, superstitious village people. I guess that type of phrasing makes me sound like a condescending asshole right off the bat. But bear with me, you've seen those kinds of people nagatali ikonfufu. Every night you sit down in your living room with a cup of tea and gawk at the inhuman ways Ugandans have managed to treat their fellow brothers. It makes us feel superior, righteous, and reaffirms our shaky self-belief that we're good people. At least we're better than those people, right? When you see villagers on a televised witch hunt in the deep rural areas of Uganda, where the whole neighborhood is hunting for some poor folk who are being accused of being witch doctors, we all gasp and insincerely shake our heads at the indignity of the whole spectacle. But the next night, we still sit in front of the television, hoping to see some weird shit happening in the country again. There is some enticement in watching a disaster you're not part of. I get it. I know the deep-seated contempt most of us have for these sorts of people. And if they approached in real life, you wouldn't entertain a word they said. That's why I know how important it is for me to stress that I'm not like those people. I'm nothing like them. I'm as rational as the next man. You wouldn't catch me dead in such a situation. I work in a hospital cemetery. It's located on the grounds of the hospital for the convenience of the people at the morgue. The kinds of people I bury are nameless casolos and nasolos from traffic accidents whose families haven't claimed them, or chronically ill people whose family members ran away on realizing a huge bill owed to the hospital for the dying person. Sometimes it's little deformed babies whose mothers are so distraught they leave the hospital immediately on hearing the news. The most I had to deal with are in times of epidemics, not the major ones. Those get more qualified people. I deal with the typhoid sagas that start in the slum areas. For those, I do mass graves because there is not enough ground. It's not pretty, but it's efficient. I'm good at my job and proud of it. It also pays well considering. I'm on the government payroll, so I'm privy to the same benefits when I retire or die. My wife and kid won't get left out in the cold. On this particular day, I had, I think, four bodies to put in the ground. There's no specialness to the actual burial. They're wrapped in the same cloth. I dump them and cover them with dirt. It's the grave digging that's the headache. Digging two graves, my plan was to put two in each and bam, job completed. I could go shower off and be on time for the Arsenal versus Liverpool match at the local Cafunda. The sweltering heat and humidity was making my progress slow. Soaked in sweat and smelling like a pig, I finished the dig. I had started patting and leveling the ground on the second one when a shadow was cast above me, blocking out the sun. Curious and a little annoyed at having someone on the grounds, I peered up to see who it may be. The hospital chaplain hadn't showed up in weeks, so I was hoping it was him. I was tired of pulling my weight in the cemetery alone. All I could see, though, were two shadows. It looked like it was a man and a woman. 
My heart sank at the prospect of it being some late-comer relatives come to claim a body that I may have already put in the ground. It's always a huge bother having to dig up an already decomposing one from the unceremonious grave I had to dump them in earlier. The family always gets this judgmental, horrified look as I do it, and I always want to yell at them to fuck right off. If they hadn't abandoned these people, none of us would be in this kind of situation, you know? Sighing loudly to let the couple above me know they were obviously causing me some inconvenience, I climbed up the wooden makeshift ladder. When my head had reached the opening, I had a good enough look at them and a shiver ran through me. Their faces weren't clear enough for me to get a hold on their expressions, but from the clothes they wore, the man in a wash-faded black out-of-fashion suit and a hat, the woman in an ankle-length skirt, a suit-style jacket, shoulder pads, and one of those hats that people used to wear in the 80s. They were like those mourners I used to see at funerals when I was a little kid, the same gloomy aura around them. I got clear of the grave opening and stood next to them. There followed an awkward silence where they completely ignored or dismissed my presence. They stared at the open grave with some concentration for a few minutes as I stood there fumbling my thumbs. I loudly cleared my throat and then caught their attention. Their eyes collectively snapped to me and the connection of their gazes on me rocked me backwards a bit. My skin pimpled up with goosebumps as if I was cold, yet the weather was still hot. I managed to stutter out. How are you, son, madame? Is there anything I can help you with? They didn't reply immediately. I realized with a start that they were examining me quite thoroughly, from head to toe, like a bug under a microscope. I loudly cleared my throat again and the man answered this time. We are traveling preachers, God's humble servants. We have decided to dedicate a week to guide the lost souls you bury here to the other side peacefully. It came to us as a calling from God that these poor unfortunates are ignored by society and it's a travesty. He ended this on such a mournful outcry. I was taken aback at the sudden emotion from him when I looked at his companion. She had tears, like actual tears in her eyes. My eyes slid off their haunted gazes and I nodded my acquiescence. I made sure they confirmed that they were only there for a week. I walk in a strange enough field that I tend to avoid and stay away from these sort of freaky strange people. I wanted to get the hell away from them. I walked away and when I reached my small office, I looked out to the grounds and they were still there standing, looking down, enraptured at the fresh graves I had just dug. When I got back an hour later with the bodies, I carried each wrapped one to the side of the graves. Usually there isn't anyone nearby so I chucked them down the hall and the process is sped up exponentially. With these random people about, I was wary about operating in my usual manner, so I gently laid them down as if I was dealing with porcelain or something precious. I had spotted the couple standing silently facing each other under a mango tree a short distance away from the graves, but when I looked up from laying the last body on the ground, they were standing suddenly in front of the heap. I yelled in alarm and almost fell backwards into the grave. They were unbothered by the scare they had just given me. I couldn't wait to be rid of them to be honest. Well, I say to them irritably. They looked at me inquiringly, like they didn't know that it was their fucking job to do some sort of last rites at that minute. Pray for them then. I'm going to lower them down in a bit. Carry on then. I have things to get to after this. I wanted to be gone by closing hour, before daylight completely disappeared. Imagine being stuck here filling up a grave with these two gloomy fucks alone. The thought gave me chills. I found it odd how a flash of surprise passed over their faces and disappeared. 
like a fisherman being surprised at being told to put his net into the water because he made fine fish easier that way. I chalked it up to their strangeness and thought nothing of it later on. There followed what felt like a piss-poor job at last rites. Even the hospital chaplain does a better job at his most drunk, if I'm being honest. I wasn't about to critique them, though. What I wanted was speed from them. Not elegance or style at their calling, so I beat down and waited. I have to hand it to them. They were timely with all four of the individual rights. When it came time for me to lower the bodies into the ground, I was kind of over it. The whole respectful pretense. There really isn't any easy way for a man to lower a body into a ground when he isn't properly equipped. My superiors don't really care how I get them inside as long as I do it. I figured that this couple would understand this and it was getting dark now, so I coughed nervously, glanced at them from the corner of my eyes and tossed the bodies into the ground. I almost burst out with laughter at the dramatic gasp the woman made. Her face was so mournful, it looked like I had just kicked her cat or something. The man had his face twisted in rage. He looked like he was ready to throttle me on the spot, so I stepped back, raising my arms in a placating manner. Now, now, people, calm down. I'm only one under-equipped man. This is the only way I can get the bodies into the ground and do the job daily on time. Come on, let's not do something hasty. No malicious intent or disrespect meant. At least you guided their souls peaceful to the other side before I did it, eh? My voice was kind of shaking with suppressed laughter at that point. I can't help myself. I laugh when I'm really, really nervous. The man looked ready to beat me to a pulp, I swear. But he seemed to get himself under control. His female companion, though, was looking down the grave with such devastation written on her face and wasn't paying attention to me. The man nodded tightly and pulled his companion up into a standing position by his side. I picked up my shovel and started filling the graves. When I was done and had flattened the soil on top of each, it was half past seven and I had thirty minutes to leave the cemetery, shower, and make it on time for the march. I picked up my things and without a word to the couple, walked away. I made it to the march in a nick of time, Arsenal lost as per usual, continuing its goal of breaking my heart for the past few years. Unfortunately, I had lost some money betting on it and was thoroughly drunk. As I walked into the cold night air, I think it was probably approaching 2am by then, it occurred to me that I had left my small office open. The keys and those certificates that needed my signature to confirm that a specific person had indeed been buried, stuff like that, all of them were out there in the open. I was convincing myself that nothing was going to happen and that I could go early in the morning, lock up shop before security checked the grounds. But a small worry was niggling at me. That bloody couple had left on the grounds. What if they ran off with the paperwork? I'd be out of a job, a job I'd worked hard at and put up with for years. I hailed the border border and it dropped me off at the hospital. The guy realized how drunk I was and so decided to speed off with my balance. I finally made it to the cemetery grounds after what felt like an eternity. I had never been here this late in all the time I had worked here. It felt different. Being one of those moonless nights, the darkness was thick and felt oppressive. Every time I hit my foot on a stone, I swallowed my curses, fearing to be hard in such quiet darkness. When I got to the office, I didn't even bother to switch on the light. I picked up the keys, locked the door, assured that no one had bothered to enter. If they had, I wasn't sober enough to tell. But with the keys securely with me, there would be no fault placed at my feet if a robbery had indeed happened. Honestly, I just wanted out of there and to be back home with my family. My wife hates it when I smoke. She especially gets loud. The way Baganda women do that drives men crazy. 
so I usually do it at work or at the pub. I decided to have a quick smoke in front of the office before leaving. There isn't a thing as enjoyable as a cigarette after some beers. One of the most satisfying things out there. Anyway, the lit end would illuminate the thick darkness when I inhaled, and I could see some small distance ahead of me. Also, my night vision was catching up, thank God. I blinked twice, thrice, I'm not even sure, just to be certain that what I had seen wasn't some drunk hallucination. I thought I had seen dirt flying upwards. It took a second longer for my brain to cotton on to the fact that someone was digging up a grave. One of the graves I had dug that day. I dropped quickly to the ground, heart hammering. I couldn't believe it. My first thought was that maybe they were grave robbers, but then it occurred to me that any self-respecting ones wouldn't come to a hospital cemetery to do that. Only the poorest of the poor ended up here. I peered up from my position, squinted in the direction of the graves. The dirt wasn't flying anymore, and the digging had stopped. I heard a voice saying, I'm telling you, Musa, I think I had something out there. It was her, that woman, that female preacher. I realized that my cigarette could give away my location, so I stabbed it out quickly couldn't believe they had been so offended that they had decided to dig up the bodies and do the job properly themselves. It was possible, but I wondered what length such types of people would go to if they were caught at it. Relax. Relax. There's no one about. Jump in here and join me. Bring the sack. Careful, ah. Careful, you don't step on the axe. The man's voice replied. I had a thump, and I'm pretty sure that's when she jumped down. As I squatted there in the dark puzzling out why they needed an axe, my question was answered by the terrible hacking sounds that were made as they got to work. From what I gathered, they were cutting the bodies into separate chunks and packaging them into their sack. I knew what type of people these were. I'd heard of them. I had seen village people kill the accused in mobs and always been left with a smidge of doubt at the existence of such a thing as a night dancer, Omusezi. When I was little, one of the older children in town had told us of how the first night dancer came to be. Apparently, they got possessed by a spirit of Mosoke or some such spirit. It's a unique kind of possession called a jitambo. Once it has you, then your descendants are also cast with this affliction that makes you get up in the dark hours, completely naked as the day you're born, roaming the night. You're also cast with the hunger of human flesh. So usually they dig up bodies for the flesh and eat it. It's said that they're normal looking people of the community, so they're hard to identify. If you marry one, they pass on the curse when you copulate with them. I once read this dirty magazine in the 90s where some guy recalled how he had been chased down by a female night dancer on his way from a bar. When she'd apparently snatched him, she'd engaged him in sexual intercourse and now he couldn't fight off some call at night to dance naked in the street. It was obviously a joke, some ghostly erotic of the 90s. This, this was actually real. The wet hacking sounds continued for what felt like forever as I hid on the ground. I was hoping not to get discovered, but I figured if I ran, I would quickly be got. I heard that they were very fast. Also, I was drunk as hell. For sure, I'd be got. I figured I had pissed off some dangerous strangers earlier, and I'm sure they would appreciate something fresher. I had them refill up the grave, lug their sacks, and as they got closer to the spot near the office where I crouched, I was sure I was going to get got. The man beckoned to the woman to stop. When the woman asked him what he was doing, he told her that he thought he had caught the smell of smoke in the air. I swear, I mentally promised God that if I wasn't found out, I would give up smoking forever. It felt like a long time, but the man picked up his sack and beckoned for his companion to move along. Not letting myself relax in case they were right ahead waiting to catch me, I stayed in my crouch, legs paralyzed, eventually sobering up until daylight started seeping in. When I had security moving about, 
I left the grounds and went home. I told my wife of the encounter because she had started ripping into me for not getting home all night. She never liked my job anyway, so she had told me not to go into work and to quit over the phone. It's been a month since all of that happened. I haven't been able to get a better job. Apparently, work as an Ascari, a guard at a supermarket. I do the day shifts only. I get home at 5 p.m. and listen to all my football matches on the radio. I haven't touched any alcohol, no smoked since then. There's this butchery near my home. I used to buy a few kilos of pork or beef every week for my family. Can't stand the smell of meat these days. It's driving my wife and kid crazy how we haven't had any meat at home in a month. Also, the other thing is that I now take the long way home avoiding the butchery because when I see or hear the butcher chopping up the meat, that sound fills me with deep terror. Thank you for listening to Punishment Island Episode 2, Night Dancer, written and performed by Masembe. Music used in the episode was Mystic by Yusuf Asidebe, cover art by Typical Ugandan. You can listen or download the show on all podcast platforms at your convenience. Please subscribe, rate and write a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen from. Find me online on Instagram, Tumblr or Twitter at Punishment Island. Thank you. Bye-bye, you.